Hey, this is Eddie. And this is Miguel. And you're listening to the God Life Culture Podcast. Yes, welcome back to another week, another episode. We are excited that we have this opportunity to speak to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Eddie, how are you doing in the midst of everything <laughs> that's going on in this crazy world? <laughs> uh, in the midst of everything that's going on overall, I'm doing very well, you know, good blessed and highly favored as someone would say (laughs) Uh, but i think that the crazy thing that's kind of sweeping uh social media and every and affecting everyone especially parents um is the discovery of what's going on on youtube and youtube kids you know we speak about the dangers of social media and you know how there's there's so many levels to it we've spoken about bullying we've spoken about all, all that other stuff uh but now you know one of the biggest things that are going out there is these crazy people because that's i think that's the yep. nicest way to say it uh that are manipulating these children videos uh to um to bring forth these very these very disgusting and evil messages you know uh for those of you that don't know and that are now becoming aware uh for the last couple of weeks uh they've been uh, articles and people reporting about, you know, these videos on kids YouTube or regular YouTube where, you know, it'll start off like a regular video, you know, ABCs or an episode of one of their cartoon shows or something about shapes and all this other stuff. Uh, and then what will wind up happening is, is that, you know, the parent will put the video on for the kid and then walk away. Uh, and halfway through the video, the images would change. So where it, yeah. it'll it'll maybe still be singing the ABCs, or it'll be still sounding uh, like it's a regular episode. Uh, but then the characters change, where you know they start doing things that you know a no one should be looking at, and then b uh, especially not our children, whether it's you know murder or attacking someone or taking drugs, uh, showing how to kill yourself, how to kill someone else, um, you know there's this whole thing with the whole momo um yeah which challenge I think, situation I think that whole momo challenge people are still trying to figure out if it's actually real or if it's just something viral that's going around yeah whereas the youtube kids is oh, real yeah. and people have uploaded videos and things like that um you know so many are saying maybe the momo puppet that appears is kind of just uh people riding the wave of yeah, capitalizing safety on the- and all of that but still i think you know the whole youtube kids thing is it's scary no absolutely and and that's the importance of you know especially as parents but anybody as family members or whoever we should you know don't uh, take it upon yourself that you want free time. So you're like, here, take a tablet and go to your room. Right. Here, take the phone and go to a corner, you know, because that is a danger. On top of the fact that uh, we are grooming our kids and our young people to be highly addicted to these devices, uh, we're also giving free reign for them to look at and see whatever they want. And you can say, oh, yeah, you know, I have, uh, you know, child proof uh, apps or I have right. parental guidance, this or parental guidance, that, you know, you have that on apps such as kids YouTube. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you set the age and you set what they can see or whatever. But if a video is uploaded under the disguise of it right. being a regular cartoon episode, then halfway through it, it changes. You know, you that parental guidance that you put doesn't doesn't do anything because yeah. it, it broke through that. And I find interesting, uh, someone was writing an article about this topic and they explained that when you download the app, there's like this disclaimer that comes up and it says, we work hard to offer a safer YouTube experience, but no automated system is perfect. Yeah. So kind of letting you know, like, okay, we're working really hard to filter through everything, but 
we may mess up, mess up. Yeah. Nothing is perfect. And, you know, this person that wrote the article says the truth is that YouTube was really never intended for kids in the first place. Yep. It's not really a children's platform. So the fact that, you know, for so long, YouTube wasn't really a place for kids because kids were not technology dependent, mm -hmm. you know, so anyone could really upload, you know, adult content and things like that. Not really suitable for kids. And now we see that shift, like you said, where kids are more technology dependent and more, you know, on their devices where these companies are needing to really ensure that whatever's uploaded is monitored and clean. Yeah. And, you know, especially for our older kids, because kids YouTube usually associate to like toddlers and little kids uh, because the, uh, the you know, that's that's the audience, quote unquote, that is geared to. Uh, but we let our older kids or even our young people go on regular YouTube um, and the issue a lot isn't always the video itself it's the comments you know there was a a reporter recently did uh, a bust on youtube about these uh videos and these channels that were putting up uh videos that technically weren't anything uh crazy or offensive or nothing like that but what was happening was the issue was what was happening in the comment section where they were sharing videos that they shouldn't be sharing, where they were, you know, sending links to each other or they were commenting or they were talking about stuff that they shouldn't be talking about. You know, we have to be careful with that as well, where your kid could be watching a quote unquote video on YouTube that, oh, that's nothing. But take a minute and just scroll down into the comments just to see what they're talking about, because if they're using the comments as a platform for them to share filth or for them to share, you know, ideas or negativity or whatever, you know, they're looking at that as well. So don't think yeah. that they're just watching the videos. Yeah. And I think it's also important to uh, realize the fact that. Um, these people, whoever's behind this and the people that, you know, have these sick minds to do this, unfortunately, they figure out the loopholes and they're, you know, they're smart. They're not going to, you know, put out certain things so obvious where, like you said, whether it's in a comment, in a link, in a bio, whether it's, you know, a playlist that they create. And in the playlist, one of the videos in the playlist has nothing to do with what you selected. Yep. You know, I mean, a lot of times that happens. You can be watching, you know, or on Instagram looking at one post and it'll bring you to another post and then another post. And before you know it, time has passed. You know, you're not looking at the same thing you were looking at previously. It's a complete different topic a completely different thing and this happens with just normal everyday life stuff yeah. you know you could love you know one band and it takes you from that band to something else to another band to another artist and pretty soon you're so far away from the topic you were first researching or looking at mm -hmm. you know and it's just another way i think that you know unfortunately in this time the enemy uses social media and uses technology to really trap people and yeah. you know now it's just so sad that kids are the target even more you know i think they've always been a target mm -hmm. and i think there have always been little things here and there that we've seen throughout the years um you know trying to target children but now just with technology i think it's just more out there and more in the forefront yeah so with that we just want to give you guys the heads up uh, and to encourage you to just check up on what our young people, our brothers, sisters, kids are looking at, what are they watching, what are they spending their time in, uh, because, you know, looks can be deceiving and it looks like a regular video or it looks like a nice song, uh, but there may be more to that as well. You know, so switching gears a little bit, usually we jump into music, but today we actually have something else that we want to speak to you guys about. Yeah, it's actually a book. We have a new book written by Brian Johnson. Some of you may know him as um, a part of Bethel Music. Yep. 
and um, a part of that uh, ministry. And he has a new book out called When God Becomes Real. And it basically talks about his six-month um, panic uh, moment in his life where he had this kind of nervous breakdown that lasted for six months where um, he said that he suffered from anxiety, depression, hopelessness, um, and just this you know, cycle that he went through emotionally where he says that it was very difficult for him to get out of this and even recognize who he was. Um, you know, once again, the book is called When God Becomes Real. And I love um, in just kind of the bio, the bio of the book, he explains how he got the title for the book. And, um, you know, he explains that he was out with his son and you know, this panic kind of started creeping up on him as he was driving home. And he said he remembers desperately driving home, trying to get home. And he says that once, um, you know, he was home and all of all of this, he said he felt like he was almost outside of himself. The anxiety, yeah. the panic grew so much. His family called 911. He said, you know, they were waiting for the ambulance to arrive. And as they were waiting, he was with his family. And, you know, going through all of these emotions and all these things. And he says that um, he asked them to pray for him mm. in this moment. And as they were praying after, he says that then he said the words, this is when God becomes real. Yeah. And I think that's so crazy that in the middle of his panic attack, in the middle of his anxiety attack, here we have, you know, someone who's a part of an awesome worship ministry, a leader, a minister, um, facing this crisis you know in the past we've spoken about mental health we've spoken yes. about anxiety and depression um you know here's just another brave and bold individual who's willing to share their story willing to you know uh be super real and transparent and honest about the fact that this you know is not um something that only affects you know non-believers or you know non-christians this is something that you know we as believers are not exempt to as well. Um, so I just love the fact of how he got the title and the book um, just kind of goes into how he broke free from this. Um, again, it was six years of, you know, a nervous, I'm sorry, six, six months, months, sorry, yeah. six months of a nervous breakdown and, you know, different things that he gets into. So um, he says that in that year of all of that was going on, he kind of experienced, um, he went from experiencing panic and chaos to finding freedom. Yeah. So I just love the premise of the book. I love, you know, what the book, um, you know, talks about. I was reading some of it. I look forward to uh, reading the whole thing. But again, just someone else who's brave enough to share their story um, and, again, there's so many different risks that um, you face when you go public in such a way, especially about a topic like this. Yeah, he did an interview with Relevant Magazine, and in the interview he says, when God becomes your only option, you have a revelation of who he really is. When I was a kid, worship got me through panic attacks, but in the nervous breakdown season, reading the Bible over and over is what helped my mind heal. The combination of worship and the word became so real and i think that you know we speak we've spoken about this topic many times before um and I, I, and i am not sorry that we've done that because we've seen time and time again where there are people that are struggling whether it's with depression anxiety or whatever it is and they make 
the wrong decisions because the help wasn't there for them yeah. or because they didn't see no way out. Uh, so if we have to continuously every other episode speak about this, we'll, we'll do it, uh, especially because we know that there is a need for this out there. Also, you know, um, something that Miguel has said that, you know, this is something that doesn't only affect people, you know, outside of church. It definitely affects people inside the church as well. While this was something that he was dealing with, uh, you know, panic attacks and, and so forth uh, since he was younger and it wound up developing into something else. You know, also individuals, as we get older, you know, our body tends to react to things differently yeah. as well. Well, with me, I've always been someone who. I've dealt with stress, you know, very well, and I can be doing four billion things at the same time, and I'm able to juggle it and keep it moving, whatever, where now I found myself uh, being able to pick on pick up on how my body reacts to stress, where yeah. before I didn't have no symptoms, I didn't have nothing like that or whatever, now... Uh, I guess because of my age, I've gotten older uh, or whatever, you know, my body now reacts differently. So it's important that when you feel those things or when you see those things, uh, that you address them accordingly. If you have to visit a doctor, visit a doctor. If you have to, you know, speak to your pastors about it, speak to your pastors about it and your leaders, you know, don't ignore things thinking, oh, you know, God has me. God has yeah. my back, you know, glory be to him. And it's like, yes, he does. But, you know, he's also put the tools um, and the things that we need in order to help us at our disposal and at our reach on this earth and i love that he admitted um or you know basically said that he you know took medication yeah you know so this wasn't something that uh you know he was just like i'm just gonna pray about it and that's it it was almost you know like he said um faith is a part of it and there are a lot of different um you know, ways that God uses other people and God uses things on this earth and different things like that to bring us out of those, um, states. And I think, um, you know, it's, I find interesting that he mentions that he went through anxiety and panic attacks as a child, but he says that worship got him through. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times as we grow older, we forget a lot of times, the battles and the struggles that we would face when we were younger and how we got through them. You know, I think sometimes we suppress certain areas of our lives or we forget about them where, you know, those same struggles or things reappear differently in different areas of our lives as we grow older. So for him now experiencing anxiety and panic attacks and depression as an older man, he needed to remember, I got through this when I was younger yeah. and the key was worship. So yeah. now as an older individual, now that you are grown, you know, worship is still the key. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how will you now worship? You know, what's the intensity of your worship? What's going to change? And, you know, I just think it's interesting that, we, you know, we have to remember what really gets us through these moments. And yeah. a lot of times it's things that we did go through in our past and ways we saw God move in our lives when we were younger. He is still able to do those things now that we are grown. Yeah. And I think it's the development of the progression as well, because where worship when he was younger helped him get through it this time as he was older he had to pair that worship with something else you know and we have to be aware of that where you know oh you know i, I get over it very easily you know i'll just do a i'll just do a a always works for me a may still work for you but you may need a little push from something else as well yeah. so don't be afraid to switch it up a bit don't be afraid to add something to your regimen don't be afraid you know to be like okay you know this does help me but i think i need a little extra push in order to get me to the overside to in order to get me to the other side um and you know and just 
as always, if you're going through anything, if you feel, you know, down, out, overwhelmed, if you feel like everything is closing around you or that you can't deal with your situation and what's happening in your life currently, reach out for help. You know, speak to your pastors, speak to your friends, even if you have to tell them, hey, you know, you know what's happening, my dude, but I got to tell you. You need to pay attention, right? <laughs> you know, still do it because at the end of the day, that's not that's not going to hurt you. If anything is going to help you through the situation. And to those people who you think you can handle it all, to those who are constantly running and running and busy and doing this and doing that. Um, I think oftentimes we pride ourselves in being busy and it seems like, oh, I can handle it. I'm strong enough. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going here. I'm involved in so many different things. Don't forget that. You are only deceiving yourself when you think that it's impossible to grow tired, impossible to get exhausted. So just remember to take out time to rest, whether that's mentally, however you need to do that. You know what I'm saying? If you're putting the phone away, if you're just spending time, you know, with the, with God, whatever you have to do, make sure that you're keeping yourself sane. You're keeping yourself, you know, your mind whole, um, pure and just, you know, refreshed to be able to handle everything that we have. To handle yeah absolutely and uh this week or uh yeah about a few days ago um we saw some changes happening in <laughs> new york city where it was a big thing and at first i mean you know i had no idea that this was even a thing yeah you know which is crazy um but new york city released an anti-hair discrimination guideline um for people of color Yes. Which well, pretty, just for people in general. Well, people in general. But right. it was it was something that was used uh, as a way to discriminate against people of color because this is what would have would usually affect them versus right. you know someone who wasn't of color. Right. And um, you know people were basically saying that the days of straightening your hair, removing your braids before a job interview are officially over where that's not even a thing anymore. And it's just crazy because to me, I, you know, and you, you, you mentioned this off air that it's like we're in 2019, you would think that this isn't even a, th a thing or a thought. Yeah. You would think that people don't think this way anymore. And it's crazy that this is, unfortunately, people are still going through this. Yeah, the new uh, legal guidance, what it says is that the city's existing human rights law protects New Yorkers' right to maintain natural hair or hairstyles that are closely associated with their racial, ethnic, or cultural identities. Hair is a part of you. Race discrimination based on hair is illegal in New York City, which... I mean, Crazy. we're 2019 and this is, the, this is the type of conversation that we're still having, you know, but I think it's because also people forget just how how recent the whole civil rights movement. And, you know, when we think about all oh, the civil rights movement and we think, oh, that happened 400 years ago. No, that did not happen 400 years ago. But because, you know, we kind of think of, you know, and it. it because we don't think that it's as prevalent as it is, um, that's why certain things like this shock us. But I remember hearing and seeing articles and um, uh, reports on, you know, kids being sent home from school or, or kids being kicked out of like private schools because their, you know, the daughter's hair was braided, you know, and that went against the school's guidelines on what's appropriate hairstyles. Yeah. And it's like that. That's crazy that you would say, oh, your hair is braided. 
you know that does that's that's against the school guidelines either cut it there was this kid who recently uh was at a wrestling match in a high school wrestling match and the referee he had dreads not even like really long dreads or whatever he had you know medium length not even uh dreads the referee said if you want to participate in this match you have to cut your hair and they wow. made him cut his hair in front of everyone there so that he would be able because if not he would forfeit it and that you know that looks bad on you that looks bad on your record especially if you're going for a wrestling scholarship they made him cut his hair because it went on quote unquote against what was appropriate for a wrestling match and you know these are things that we're constant that are constantly happening around us and if you're not open to hearing it you it's it's you miss it especially if it's not quote unquote affecting you yeah i just think it's so crazy that you know people actually have to live or you know had to live in fear um that the hair that they had would actually you know be an impediment in their job or would be looked upon as unprofessional yeah or be you know people would be you know giving you side eye like it's just crazy to me um you know and this goes with so many different things it could be this you know your skin color yeah you know um it could be uh the way you act it could so many different things that people unfortunately um you know have this prejudice for just this disconnect and um like you said you would think that by now we are past that you know february uh was you know black history month we just yep. kind of came out of february and um you know i'm a teacher a high school teacher and i always like to kind of uh go through that and uh talk about you know uh the i have a dream speech by martin mm -hmm. luther king so kind of separating a week going through his speech and it's crazy how you'll have so many kids in a classroom where uh some of them have no idea what this you know what this entails they know they have off of martin luther king jr day they know this they know that but they don't know really what his dream was yeah you know they really don't know you know the the issues that people were facing in that time and you know in just reading his speech and dissecting his speech and looking at it you know his dream was that people wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character yeah you know and it's something that uh you know he keeps saying i have a dream i have a dream and this was his dream that he had and it's almost as if if he were alive today yeah you know what would he be saying what would he be thinking what you know how would he feel knowing that in 1963 when he delivered this speech these were the things that were going on the constitution was already written you know they everyone knew that everyone had the right to life liberty pursuit of happiness you know those were their rights and they were not given those rights mm -hmm. you know in 1963 now in 2019 we're still facing you know uh these issues and these things um so it's just crazy you know it's very unfortunate it's sad um and i think that for these group of people that it affects um hopefully this is something that because it's it's past and it was something that is now made official those people who had a problem with it you know would kind of back down a little bit now um but it's just it's crazy to me how this there would even need to be a bill or something a guideline passed mm -hmm. for this yeah, you know, and I think it just speaks in reference to, you know, where we are culturally and as a society. Yes, we have seen progress in, you know, racial equality um, and just equality in general. We have seen progress. Have we seen the progress that we want to see? Not 100 percent. No. And especially with how the cultural political climate is at the moment, you know, whether you want to say it's directly coming from a certain individual or if it's just this new wave that it's happening, it's making 
it even more difficult for us to continue to move in the right direction. You know, when you have uh, people that are coming out and they're saying that they are uh, proudly part of hate groups and that they are pr proudly racist or proudly re prejudiced because they can do that and you know they can voice that and nobody can hold that against them uh, right. you know it's, it's kind of crazy that you still see that you know i know you know growing up uh, i had the um the ventaja the uh, how do you say that in english the um advantage the advantage uh that i grew up in a multicultural neighborhood i grew up in brooklyn new york and for the most part you know there wasn't really you know that whole um never i never felt that whole prejudice thing right you know i had friends that in my classroom you can have an african-american you can have a latino you can have an asian you can have someone for the middle east like we were always uh it was a mix of us uh so th that was never something that was prevalent until i went to school in the city hmm. that's where things changed uh especially in the neighborhood that we went to i went to school in where the 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 students did not match the pop match the population of the neighborhood and that's where you know you started to pick up on how people look at you how people react uh to when you're passing by them how the police reacted at that time you know stop and frisk was something that uh was happening in new york city where they would just randomly stop you and pat you down and see you know what do you have empty mm -hmm. your pockets do this do that you know i remember this i had a a friend, an African-American friend who um, we were uh, in New York City, they give school metro cards and your school metro card looks like a different color than the regular metro card does. And also when you swipe it, the machine light, uh, there's like a color, uh, like a yellow color, for example, that happens for regular metro cards. But school, yeah. uh, the school metro cards gave off a green color. Uh, which is how the cops would figure out, oh, you look like you're 93. Why do you have a, a student metro card mm. type of situation? Um, and a friend of mine was stopped by a cop uh, because he looked older than he was. At the time, I think we were 15. Um, and they had like five cops surrounding him trying to figure out, why do you have a, a, a school metro card? And he's like, my dude, I go to school right down the block. You know, I'm a high schooler. Show me your ID. I don't have ID. I'm 15 years old. Like, you know, those are things that we never wow. thought of having. Like, oh, you need to have a state ID that shows your age at 15. Yeah. Like, yeah, who thinks about that? Nobody's thinking about that or whatever. And I remember going uh, to vouch for him and being like, hey, that's my, you know, he's my classmate. I know who he is or whatever. And getting body slammed by these cops that are just like yelling in your face. Don't you interfere with police activity blah, 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 whatever. And like just going wow. ham for no reason. And it's like I literally took one step. And, you know, and these are things that to me, you know, to me, I was that was a shocker because I was like, I've never yeah. been assaulted <laughs> in that way before. You know, I've also had experience where in high school and college, I was standing on the train platform waiting for my train and good 10, 15 minutes waiting for the train. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the platforms, a whole bunch of people on the platform as well. There's cops on the platform because that's normal in New York City. And they were literally next to me the whole time and didn't wait until the train came that I was about to step in to be like, hey, can I see your ID? And I'm like, is there a problem? They're like, can I see your ID? So I missed my train because they purposely waited for the train to get there uh, so they could see my ID because, quote unquote, I fit the identity of someone they were looking for. I'm like, you've been standing next to me for 15 minutes. Right. You know, now all of a sudden, because you're bored, because uh, that's that's what my perception of it was at the moment, because you're bored. I'm not going to say racist. Um, 
now you wanted to wait for that moment to make me miss my train to now have to wait another 15, 20 minutes for the train as well. Obviously, my experiences aren't as uh, brutal or graphic as the things that we see happening in the news where people are getting shot, where people are getting beaten with these batons, where they're getting put into the hospitals uh, because of things such as police brutality or people um, taking on, you know, there was this there was this thing on, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> there was this article, uh, this, this report that came out there was a kid who missed the bus he was new in his town african-american kid uh who missed the bus to school and since he was new in the area or whatever he didn't know what to do so he knocked on a neighbor's door to ask for help like hey can i use your phone or call my mom or something you know i missed the bus and the neighbor's reaction was to shoot at him wow open the door and just start shooting luckily he got away and, you know, he wasn't uh, he didn't get uh, shot, uh, but he the man who who shot, uh, who took out the gun and decided to shoot at him because he was afraid for his life, um, wind up going to jail for that. You know, but th those are the incidences where why is it that a young man knocking on your door? Your first reaction is I have to grab a gun. I have to go and shoot him. Like that, that doesn't make absolute any sense. But given the political climate and what's happening in our culture at the moment and the fear mongering and all this stuff that's happening and whether or not those are just feelings that people have been cultivating for a long time, I see how that is their first reaction, you know, because it, it does come from a place of ignorance, but it's also a very dangerous place. I have a child, I have a son, you know, and I'm looking forward to having many more kids. And these are kids that are of color. You know, mm -hmm. my son is more dark skinned than I am. And the, and the idea that I am going to have to talk to him and teach him about, you know, if you ever get stopped by a cop, keep your hands out of your pocket, you know, look at him in his face, speak to him nicely and calmly, right. even though he's wrong, he may be wrong or whatever, because the fear is if he reaches for his pocket to show his ID without the cop telling him to, they're going to shoot him down because that's what's happening in our nation at the moment. And no, I'm not a police basher or anything like that in any in any sort. I'm not saying that. I do uh, respect our police force and I do um, admire their sacrifices being out in the streets and dealing with the dangerous people is no joke. You know, I have seen uh, people that have that do reckless things. You know, I have experienced reckless situations where they put not only the cops in danger, but everyone else around them. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are living in 2019, but we're still facing issues that go beyond 1963, but are yeah. things that people have been fighting for many, many years. Yeah. And just, you know, this uh, law and everything that has passed, um, you know, the a person who wrote an article uh, talking about it pretty much said New York may have won this battle, but the war of equality is still happening. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, these are little victories and small victories. But again, like you said, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of people that are still uh, being attacked and discriminated against. And I think a lot of times we want to make it a uh, black white issue. Yes. Where we forget that, um, you know, a lot of times it's all people. Mm -hmm. You know, all people groups and types of people are discriminated against, whether it's uh, for your race, your color, uh, the job you have. Mm -hmm. It could be for religious purposes and your religious belief. Right. Um, you know, and this is not to discredit any group that does face more discrimination than another. You know, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we see um on the news, it's very much portrayed a, a black-white thing. Yes. And a lot of people have admitted that and kind of spoken out against that. 
Um, and it's unfortunate because that further brainwashes people and puts people into this small box that... Or the state of paranoia. Right, that these are the only people being you know discriminated against or I should be feeling some type of way because I'm this skin color yeah. and I should be feeling like this way towards this group of people or that group of people. It further kind of feeds the whole you know beast of racism. Yeah, and what winds up happening is that it winds up seeping in into you culturally, where people within your own culture are being racist against each other, where, you know, we see in our Latin communities, we have uh, people that are Afro-Latino, which are people who are more dark-skinned, their hair is more curlier, you know, and then, oh, no, 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 you, you can't, you can't marry someone. Even though they're Spanish, you can't marry someone who's dark skinned like that. You know, I want light skinned babies with blue eyes type right. of situation. And we and see even, how we discriminate amongst each other. Yeah. And even it even starts as a child where you hear certain comments or hear certain things as jokes or, yeah. you know, something that's said where it seems innocently. But mm-hmm. as you grow older, you realize, wait a minute, that's not cool to say about those people or mm-hmm. that person. And you begin to understand that a lot of times it's, you know, the way you're brought up and your upbringing and you know things the people around you what you witness that kind of forms you know that i idea where you have to learn and you know kind of stand firm in what you believe in and what you think is right and kind of combat those things yeah you know and i think a lot of times you know we face um there's racism in the extreme of police brutality and all those things where you know people's lives are really at stake and at risk yes and then they're just you know i don't want to say smaller uh moments but just uh in different areas we see racism as well whether it is in the workplace whether you're not getting a job for whatever reason because of your skin color whether you're in a you know in your job in your workplace and there's just these people that are constantly trying to get at you or constantly you know uh maybe disrespecting you and i think they're you know whether it's school you know um I hear at times, you know, as a teacher from, you know, not where I am, but just in general, um, where a lot of times there are certain teachers that can target certain students Mm -hmm. and it becomes this whole big issue and comes down to it. You know, people discover, well, the teacher has, you know, this kind of racist issue and this problem here and has these feelings with that. And it's just so crazy because, again, there are different levels to it. And unfortunately, it grows, it grows, it grows until a life is taken mm-hmm. or until there's a crazy accident until there are really these negative consequences and results as you know um an effect of this mentality and way of thinking that people have i mean i remember just a small you know level but just the idea of being you know um having a conclusion drawn about you simply mm-hmm. because of who you are what you look like i remember it was my first day of college first class ever you know going into the room And it was like a humanities course where um, they were kind of giving an introduction to the school. And I remember I was in a classroom of about 40 uh, students, freshmen. And I remember looking um, in that room, looking around, and I was the only Hispanic in the room from what I can see. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, like, you know, okay, this is kind of crazy, whatever. Didn't think much of it. So... The point of that of the exercise was every student had to give their name a little bit about themselves and what their major was and what they were studying. Um, It's a school that kind of uh, focuses on education and teaching. So Mm -hmm. everyone there was going to be a teacher. So it was more like, you know, what type of teacher? What's your background? What do you want to do? All of that. Um, So they went down the list and 
that every student spoke. Some students spoke more than others. Um, and the teacher was reading the names aloud. Uh, I was probably in the middle of the room. Uh, she gets to me, she reads my name out loud and then says, okay, and we know you're a Spanish major. <laughs> and then what? went next to the next person. No. And I remember in that <laughs> moment, like, did she just do that? And again, oh, no. first day of college, class number one, day one, this is my introduction. And this is kind of, you know, and she was like, oh, uh, Miguel, she said pagan. Um, and then, oh, it's actually Pagan, right? She corrected herself and then said, okay, we know you're a Spanish major. And then moved on to someone else. Didn't let me speak, even if I was a Spanish major. Didn't yeah. let me express myself or anything. And I remember having to interrupt her and, you know, be like, uh, I'm not a Spanish major. I'm actually an English major. Mm. Then to make things worse, you know, it's one thing for you to mess up in that moment, right? Mm. And kind of be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Then it's another thing for you to be like, oh my gosh, you're an English <laughs> major, right? That I don't know what was worse, the fact that you said Spanish, and then now that you don't believe that I'm an English yeah. major, you know, and that's that was her reaction. Oh my gosh, you're an English major? Oh, well, okay, English major. Like, that was no apology, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for not letting you speak and even, you know, say a peep and you have mm -hmm. to interrupt and, you know, all of these things where people just make certain conclusions about you yeah. or try to take, you know, um, a moment away from you for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you know, and um, that again is something so small compared to what a lot of people face, right? Yeah. But again, it's the idea of, you know, discrimination. It's the idea of having this prejudice against someone or, you know, making an assumption. A lot of times it's an assumption that's made and we don't realize that that's just as wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just look at somebody and automatically because of what they're wearing, their skin color, how they speak, you have a whole profile of who they are yeah. and you haven't even met them. Yeah, you know, and, and it's crazy and it's unfortunate and all levels are bad. You can't be like, oh, you know, I'm on a lower level of being a, a racist or prejudiced. Right, so that's right. okay. No, all levels are bad. And I think that our task is, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your culture, regardless of whatever, our task is education. You yep. know, I recently had a conversation with a family member. I was on the phone with them and uh, I don't know what happened, but they made a, a comment that was not correct. And it was based off of someone's uh, complexion and them being black. And I corrected them. And I was like, well, first of all, what you said you shouldn't say. Yeah. And second of all, you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm light skinned, mm -hmm. you know, especially compared to my wife, who is from the Dominican Republic. And she's more dark skinned. And my son, who's like the mix of the both of us. Um, and I was like, you can't say that like that. That's messed up what you just said or whatever. And then you also like. You know, that's disrespectful. Like, I, I yeah. get disrespected by it because of my wife and my son. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's different. You know, you know, they're brown. It, it, they're light brown. It, it's it's a totally different thing. Wow. I'm like, no, it's not a totally different thing. Um, and I had to have this conversation with them and kind of break it down for them a little bit. Regardless of somebody's age, you know, you, you do have to take these opportunities where instead of you, you know, getting upset and then, you know, wanting to say things to them and call them a this and call them a that or whatever, you know, use the opportunity to educate them. I had another experience uh, at work where a co-worker of ours um, said something uh, to uh, um a, another coworker of color where automatically my jaw dropped. I was like, Oh, oh God, those moments no, you're just didn't. like, I can't believe. Uh, but the, my coworker of color addressed it perfectly, you know, corrected the situation 
and said in front of everyone, she doesn't know any better. So I'm, I'm going to teach her the right way or whatever. And I was like, that was a very mature way to handle the situation. Yeah, because in turn, it's almost like the way you handle and the way you react says mm-hmm. a lot about the validity of what that person said. Yes. So it's very important that if you are the victim of that, mm-hmm. that you handle it well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and even though we live in 2019, there are still people that live in a bubble where, you know, they they aren't. Um, they aren't exposed to different cultures. They aren't res- exposed to different nationalities and things yeah. like that or whatever. So they're only going by what they've seen on television or what they've heard in their or families. Or what the news Or what the news constantly is Constantly portrays. So when they are in the midst of someone who is different from them and they don't have the filter necessary, they say things that don't necessarily come from a place of hate. It just comes from a place of ignorance, of not knowing any better. And when you do interact with people like that, your first step should be to be like, what you did was not the right way to do it. What you said wasn't the right way to say it. I'm explaining to you why. So that when you encounter somebody else, you know, you don't make the same mistake because they may not be as nice (laughs) as I'm being. Um, And you know what? And that's okay to take those moments and take it as an opportunity to educate someone, uplift them as well. And, and, you know, make them aware of, you know, the different cultures and things that are happening around them that maybe they've never been exposed to because they've always been in their little bubble. Yeah. And I mean, in talking about this, I have a question for you. Do you think that there is racism or, uh, you know, aspects of racism in our churches? Absolutely. I think there definitely is um, on some levels um, uh, in, yeah, you know what? Yes, because I think that it's not only racism, uh, but prejudice, prejudicism <laughs> or prejudices uh, as well, where especially when it comes uh, to holiness, I think that our churches are very big on determining somebody's holiness by how they look on the outside. Oh, you know, they're wearing a this or their style of clothing is like that or their hair length is like this or the amount of makeup they have is like that. So depending on that, they gauge whether or not you are man or woman of God. Yeah. And that is completely wrong. That, that is not the way to do it because, number one, you're judging someone by their appearance. Um, and number two, you know, it's taking into account different cultures. I grew up in a in a very old school Pentecostal church where the women wore skirts. They never cut their hair. They were, you know, that, that whole type of culture. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I understood that the skirt doesn't make you holy. The long hair is not what's going to take you to heaven. Yeah. You know, and it was because I met people who they were believers in Christ. They loved God. They worked for for God and they did all that stuff. But they didn't look like the people that were in my community. Mm -hmm. They look completely different. And luckily, I was the type of person I've always been open minded and always like uh, welcoming that I, I didn't like prejudge them and cut them off. I had the conversations with them that I everybody should be having. Yeah. And it was through there that I was like, oh, man, not that, you know, oh, now, you know, I'm going to throw all the rules out the out the the window from my church or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was just the understanding that just because someone doesn't look like you, it doesn't make them any less than you, both inside and outside of the church. 
Yeah, and I love the way you tackled the question because in the church, I believe that racism does exist. Um, I believe that there are individuals who are racist, can be racist towards certain people yes. of, a, of color yes. or the way they look and et cetera. But there is a different type of racism or prejudice, like you say, that does exist. And it's, you know, well, you don't look like a Christian or what I think a Christian yes. should look like. You don't act like one. Well, I do this and I don't see that you do that. Mm -hmm. Or I was taught that this is what needs to be done. You don't do that. So you don't fit the category of a leader, a minister or a true believer, yes. you know, where it's very much, um, you need to be careful in how you approach people and how, you know, being sensitive to other people, um, just because they don't look like you, act like you, or were raised in the same way. Yeah, and I think that a very important thing that we'll bring forward in, a, in, a, in a, one of our upcoming episodes in the future is personal conviction. Where maybe God doesn't want me to do a certain thing or doesn't want me to wear a certain thing or whatever. For whatever reason, God doesn't want it to because he knows my heart and he knows that you know where that wouldn't affect you in a negative way it would affect me in a negative way uh because of maybe my weaknesses or because of the way my mind is or whatever you know so he's like i don't i don't want you to do x y or z you know but just because he doesn't want me to do it doesn't mean if you specifically do it then oh okay you're yeah. automatically going to help because god told me that he didn't want me to wear you know red t-shirts but since you wore a red t-shirt yeah then you're going to hell and it's something so easy that people make so complicated, but it's actually so practical. You know what I'm saying? You go to the doctor, you have a certain condition. The doctor says, this is the diet you need to have. Yep. Just because you have that diet doesn't mean you need to go around telling people, you, need you to know, have diet you need to have this diet <laughs> because the doctor told me that this is what he wants. And you know what? You can choose to eat whatever and mm -hmm. you know not abide by that diet but there may be consequences or side effects yep. whereas someone else could eat the same exact thing that you're eating and be completely fine for the rest of their life yes. and you will die first yep. you know what i'm saying so it, that doesn't really matter you know and again like you said this is something we definitely uh, should pick up on and talk about um in a future episode because it's something that a lot of people uh, i think deal with on a daily basis but again this issue of racism and this issue of you know just uh, discrimination and all of that man just be nice to people just show god's love you know i always go back to that verse that says your love will prove to the world that you are my disciples you know what i'm saying what is your love proving is it proving that us as believers don't like non-christians we don't like muslims we don't like this group of people or we don't like that group of people you know what is your love proving what is your love showing the world is it pointing back to jesus or is it making people say i will never step foot in a church or is it making people you know have these overall assumptions of christians and Maybe if you are dealing with racism and you have that in your heart where you say, man, I just don't know, you know, a certain group of people or these type of people really don't, you know, sit well with me. That is something you need to pray about and yes. bring to Jesus, because I think that yes. is very real. I have heard people say, you know, I don't know what it is. I just don't like those type of people, mm -hmm. you know, and that's crazy. Because you're a, problem, a believer, you're a Christian, yeah. you say you love Jesus, yet you don't know why you don't like someone or mm -hmm. a certain group of people. So again, if that's you, a lot of praying that needs to be done and just bringing that to Jesus because that's not that's not good. That should not be there. 
Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have our things that we're working through. And that's the importance of having a strong relationship with God and also having, you know, a good relationship with your pastors and your leaders, um, because, you know, it's tough. It's a tough world to live in. Uh, but we can do all through all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yes, and, we can. You know, we have to tap into his strength. We have to tap in uh, to him to help us through all types of situations, even in situations like this. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in uh, once again to a new episode. Um, as always, you can reach out to us via. Yes, our Instagram page and Facebook page at God Life Culture Podcast. You can send us an email at God Life Culture at gmail.com um again share this podcast spread this podcast and um go back and listen to all of our other episodes yes um, we have 20 episodes on season one we have 16 episodes so far now so definitely go and listen to them replay them share them with people um we have some different things coming up and some exciting things that we're working on um so we'll have new episodes in the very near future yeah so make sure you stay tuned to our facebook page our instagram page um to see what we're up to and what we're doing yeah so as always thank you so much for tuning in to god life culture that's god, god life culture. culture until next time see ya bye, bye.